It is the... Meg John and Justin. Podcast. It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> A formal um, introduction. Yeah, I guess more formal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If Jacob Rees-Mogg were introducing the podcast. Mm, oh, that'd that be now? awful, wouldn't it? I'll <laughs> well, do that. Yeah, okay. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're back. And we are. This week we are going to talk about love. We're totally talking about love for first, the next two podcasts. Yeah, first in a two-part, special two-parter. For Valentine's Day. In advance of Valentine's Day. Yeah. For you lovers out there. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically everyone. Yeah. Well, it is. It depends on how you define love, which is what we're going to get into in this first podcast. Exactly. Yes. Um, So, um, yeah, this week we're going to talk about what we mean by love. Yeah, we get to to use one of our favourite words, which is even more... We love this word more than we love the word love, I reckon. Yeah, is that... It will come on to that. Yeah. No, no spoilers. Yeah. Let's keep the listener intrigued. Okay, we'll keep them intrigued. There's gonna, there might be singing also. Like, wow, you're going to really want to listen to this. It's got our favourite word. It's got maybe singing. Certainly references to many <laughs> 80s pop songs um, are going to happen. Oh, yes. Don't put the listener off now. Okay? <laughs> right. um, and, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about what uh, what is love in this episode. And then mm. in next week's, we're going to talk about saying I love you Mm -hmm. and all that stuff all that stuff Um, so um, what is love so um, Mm -hmm. ages ago I worked on a project for my young people's website Bish yes after a young person asked me this question when he came into the clinic that I worked at what did you say and I said (laughs) well that's complicated yeah because you know you definitely there's like a thing going I was trying to say you know Mm. there's like a thing going on in your body definitely but it's also like what it is that we you know to an extent we kind of want it to happen right. as well but then there's also all this other stuff telling us that we have to do it and all the societal and, pressure yeah and yeah. he left uh, feeling a little bit confused and then i was thinking well this would be a really good mm-hmm. project for me to work on at bish and to kind of unpack this a bit and i yeah. ended up making a video about it oh cool um, but um uh well so let's start with like what happens like in our bodies there is a biological process that goes on apparently according to the work of dr barbara friedrichson cool i don't know um, about this the biological process of love we had a long discussion about this once where i think that i found out about this from you and you're like no, no that wasn't me i'm sure i did <laughs> um, but it's the so this is it might be it's kind of like popular psychology this mm. now or um but um uh, so Barbara Friedrichson refers to love as micro moments of positivity resonance. Oh, I like that. I have you heard you say that. Yeah. Explain what that means. So please. basically, there are a number of kind of um, processes going on, like biological mm. processes that go on when we experience uh, the falling in love, which is a phrase that we're going to unpack in a bit, when we experience mm-hmm. love with somebody. Yeah. And so... Um, that our pupils dilate to allow for greater kind of eye contact with the other person so we feel very connected with the other person mm-hmm. apparently our hearing adjusts to the frequency of the other person's voice cool um apparently some neuro there is some like neurological thing where our neuro pathways start to mirror each other or something mm-hmm. but also most crucially in order to enable um this to happen our vagus tone which is the oh the which, vagus nerve yeah the yeah. vagus nerve which that's a are, popular nerve these days isn't yeah, it yeah people are well into it but yeah. it's like it connects it connects our brain with our heart and our heart with our genital area as well oh, apparently. Right, okay yeah uh, but there is like 
uh, our vagus tone kind of slows our heart down to enable mm. us to kind of be calm and present in that moment with that person Whoa, nice. to allow for all of these mm-hmm. for all of these biological things to happen yeah. and there's a release of oxytocin which, which makes it more oxytocin is not a love hormone oxytocin mm. is the tuning in hormone okay it allows you to kind yeah. of sit with the person and stuff. oh nice right, and yeah. you know we're like yeah, this is not the one explanation of what love is, but yeah. it's, there are clear biological processes. And what Barbara Friedrichsen is mm-hmm. saying is that we experience those several times a day with various different people that we don't fall oh, in love with. interesting. So we can have like, um, mm-hmm. you know, someone we see in a shop and we have a nice interaction with them. Yeah, there is that bit of a, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. yeah and people might call it chemistry, it's actually biology, yeah. but you know, or... Yeah. You, well, um, isn't technically chemistry and biology, isn't it? Yeah. And physics also. It's probably maths as well. Quite possibly. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, you know, <laughs> if you think about what happens during a day, so it could yeah. be someone who serves you at a shop or, mm. or, you, or you're serving a customer at a shop and you have a, a little interaction, it might, the yeah. interaction might be, like, less than a second. Yes. Or if um, a driver pauses to allow me to cross the road and I, I see their eye contact mm. for a second and... I love those moments, though. Yeah. Like, if you tune into those moments every day, there's those little, yeah, like, you see someone one's dog and have a smile with smile with them or something yeah. like that it's like those they're kind of gold those little yeah. micro moments aren't they yeah, yeah and it sort of feels like yeah there's that kind of recognition in those moments and that sharedness and they can feel yeah really special gives you a bit more hope with humanity yeah. just to have those moments of like whoa we're two human beings and we kind of get each other in this moment yeah yeah mm-hmm. i saw somebody on twitter the other day who i just started uh, following who um they were both in an airport going in different directions and they saw the, the number 69 written on, mm. the, on the floor. Some, I don't know why it was there, but it was there. And they both paused yeah. and then were, both went nice at the same time yeah. because 69 is an amusing yeah. sex number, apparently. Uh-huh. And they were so into it that they took a picture of each other. They were like, we're just these strangers who were both oh at the God, same time so like cool. nice and that's love isn't yeah. it that in in this way it's a micro moment of, of i had one on the train like the i got a bottle of fizzy water and then i'm opening it and it goes everywhere and then the, i look around like in that sneaky way you do of like did anyone see that and yeah they go opposite had seen and it was just like she smiled i smiled yeah. it was yeah I love yeah. it when that happens i love that stuff yeah so i love that so that's the micro moments but you're saying like in a kind of more um more of an ongoing relationship it might be that we share more of those micro moments and they exactly. kind of add up to this biological well, experience yeah um uh, if you have a favorite micro moment that has happened to you today why, yeah. why not tell us about it on, on twitter on twitter yes. at meg john justin that might be quite fun That'd tell be us about great. your favorite micro moment. i want those micro moments of love but they but there's something so that's the bio so uh, yeah. you might be so uh um, regular listeners might know where we're going with our favourite word coming yes. up. So, uh, but in order to keep having those moments with someone, then we need to establish some kind of relationship with, with mm-hmm. them, right? So in order mm. to be having micro moments with the same person on a frequent basis, because we enjoy having those moments, then we need to be mm-hmm. somehow connected to that person. So yes. that's where the psycho comes in. Right. right, yeah, exactly. And I guess the thing to say about these these words we're using, the bio, the psycho, and we're going to come on to the social also, yeah. is that it's not like a one-way direction. You yeah. know, it's not like we have the bio love that builds it to the social, to the psycho yeah. love or whatever. It's like all of these things are constantly in a big feedback loop. So yeah. the psychological experience we have kind of maps itself onto our bodies and brains. Um, but yeah, like what are the psychological reasons for love you know it's it's a really it's a really complex one a bunch of different stuff mm-hmm. but yeah it may be that um i guess a lot of people psychodynamic theorists and people would put it back to early experiences like mm-hmm. we might be drawn to people that kind of 
we have those same dynamics with in some way that maybe we had with early caregivers Mm -hmm. or we feel that kind of the kind of love that maybe we felt from somebody who gave us a good kind of unconditional love when we were younger Mm. or we get sort of a need met that maybe either we didn't get when we were younger or or we did get and it feels familiar Mm -hmm. so there's you know I think it's interesting to link the past I, I was always a bit reluctant by these theories you know mm. I didn't like to see, I guess because they've been overemphasized yeah. you know I think there's been a whole load of overemphasis that it's all about kind of our early experiences yeah. that almost like set this blueprint for our whole lives that's kind of unshakable that we're only going to f- fall in love in various ways in particular ways or have mm. certain kind of patterns and I didn't like the way that ignored the social pressures around us yeah. and the cultural stuff is that is that this thing that people talk about when they talk about attachment theory yeah so that's and yeah and I really didn't like that the the early understanding I had of that was that we're kind of fixed in these attachment patterns so either we have we're able to have secure attachments because our parents were good enough or we're like avoidant so we find it really difficult to attach people or we're like insecure because we didn't get good enough attachment and I didn't like the idea that that fixed people in patterns for life that they couldn't shift Um, but it seems like more recent attachment theory is a lot more open that it Mm. does understand this kind of biopsychosocial the thing the way that they all impact each other and there is a sense that we might attach in different ways to different people yeah you know or even in the same relationship that we probably would display all of those kinds of attachment at different times yeah you know could have a period of very secure and then something happens that's an upheaval and it feels more insecure or avoidant for a while or or like even from day to day we might go between those different ways of attaching to people so yeah i think that's become a bit more open but i I am really sold now on the benefits of thinking about our early relationships and Mm -hmm. the kind of patterns they set us up with the kind of because they really help explain the things that we find difficult in relationships and the things we're kind of yearning for and the things we're frightened of Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the. But we also we learn about relationships and what we might want from relationships by doing relationships as well. Yes. Don't we? So yeah. obviously, if we have a relationship and then recognise that we're doing a pattern, and then yeah. trying to learn to do something differently next time, even if we are drawn back to that pattern because of our early experiences mm. of love from primary socialisation, I guess. Yeah. Then at least we're kind of recognising it, and so as you were saying, it's that we're not fixed from an early age in terms of how we. Yeah. It's shifting all along and certainly our experiences of relationships of whatever kind, then then they influence how we have future relationships because, you know, if things have been really hard, we might get really really concerned about ever falling into that pattern again and really avoid it yeah or you know we might be really drawn back into a pattern that was you know maybe a positive experience mm-hmm. or or maybe even not a very positive experience but it's sort of like the only thing we know so yeah, yeah i think like in having that awareness of our whole life's journey through yeah. through relationships of various kinds can be a real good one yeah mm-hmm. and lastly we come to the social yes so you know <laughs> we have so much social about love yeah most of the social about so most of the societal messages that we get and when we say societal messages it really is just completely ensconced and embedded within culture the idea mm. that we need to that um that that we should have love and that love is a very particular kind of yes. thing and yeah. that it's very very uh i mean people do talk about different kinds of love but romantic love is seen as the yeah as the thing yeah if somebody talks about love without anything else on it the assumption is going to be that it's romantic yeah. love right yeah yeah mm-hmm. and the messages that we get about that are so powerful and yeah. so narrow and telling us this one kind of thing Mm and even if we hear um i mean we'll talk about pop songs in a bit but Mm. we kind of get that impression with social love that it's like 
sorry, the messages we get from society about love is that there is that it's all about the chemistry. Yeah. And then everything just flows from that. So yeah. that it's all about you just have to find someone and have that micro moment of positivity resonance with them. Yeah. And that person is the right person for you forever. Yeah. And you just have to kind of allow it. Yes. And um, and there's like a falling in love with that person. Yeah. And it happens very quickly. Yes. Um, and then because you have that kind of very pure feeling, mm. that pure micro micro moment with them, then that's meant to be. And, and that's you have how to follow is. that. And then you have to follow yeah. this very particular script or escalator, as some people have called yeah. it. Like for that means that you have to yeah, live together, get married, have children. And all of these things should be easy because you have love as the foundation of it all. Exactly. But the love is this kind of an initial, like, yeah, like you say, flash kind of chemical reaction, like yeah. super big. Yeah, they have a conversation in this uh, in mm. about this in four weddings and a funeral, which we're going to watch one day and do a podcast. About yes, yes, during, I would like to do that. Yeah. But there is the, that thunderbolt. City. The thunderbolt. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that line when someone's like, "No, I think actually." Um, Loves about you know you meet someone that you seem to like the look of and you settle down and it's quite yes. pragmatic. I quite like the sound of that. The and pragmatic then, love, yeah. And then someone else is saying, "Oh, don't you believe in the thunderbolt?" And yeah. then he gets the thunderbolt and he says, "Oh, thunderbolt city." And it's like, yeah. yeah. But why does the thunderbolt have to be the, the only model? The only yeah. model, or the most real, or the most um, the most natural? It's like yeah. it's as if that by linking, but the societal message seems to be saying that by linking love more directly to this kind of um, a chemical reaction that you have no control over. That's mm -hmm. what makes it the most real exactly. and the most authentic. And, and I think that's... Well, again, and you can see that it's rubbish because, again, if, like all, with all these kind of things, you just have to look to through history and around the world today to see that there are different models and then it becomes really problematic to put the kind of current Western model as like the only way or the best way to do it. Yeah. And obviously there are many cultures and many times in which love has been seen as much more something that grows, mm. uh, like more of a model, like a farming model of kind of continually working the field of love, you know, yeah. um, that kind of way of seeing it is no more or less legitimate. Um, and maybe sometimes, you know, some of those models where love is more about people being chosen for you by people who know you, mm. um, there, you know, the problems with that model as well. But yeah. sometimes that can be a, a better bet, you know, that, that if, it, if it is rooted in pragmatism, mm. then maybe for the longer haul, that's going to be a better bet. And certainly people have experienced that experience then sometimes falling in love as a slower process. Yeah. But getting to a very deep thing, just as people can who have fallen in love can really experience that it just doesn't weather because if they've got very different values, yeah, um, you know, it's maybe it may be not be, not really be based on the best things for say a cohabiting relationship or a co-parenting relationship. Exactly. Yeah. And there are kind of still lots of um, still lots of examples of in, in lots of different cultures around um, mm. and different classes mm -hmm. around um, where relationships are more arranged than yeah. they are than than there is. Um, then people just relying on this chemistry yeah. business, but also, I guess even with the rise of online dating, yeah, I was more, just thinking that's that. kind of more like it becomes a, a, a bit more pragmatic, doesn't yeah, it? Because um, maybe be, you, yeah, maybe yeah, because people are able to find people based on the values that they yeah. think that, that they're going to be attracted to. So yeah. you know, if you were to have like Thunderbolt City with someone who mm -hmm. turned out to have the opposite politics to you, yes, or like um, yeah, would want to live in a very different way or something. Yeah, but I guess for most of us, love becomes a bit of both, a bit of like. Mm. 
you know kind of drawn to people where there are these more of those sort of micro moments or maybe we yeah. do feel a real kind of frisson but at the same time it's over the course of maybe the first months and years together yeah. there's that kind of figuring out like where we've got in common ground and uh, with more models of relationships as well that gives yeah. you more potential to be having those conversations and oh, okay this is going to be more of a comet relationship where you know we get together every once in a while when we're in the same place mm. or this is going to be more like a yeah we could cohabit together really well relationship it's like you, there's a bit more movement I guess with more relationship models which is something we've talked about on another yeah. podcast that we can be finding the way that that relationship's going to work exactly best. yeah so this is where we're, get, we're getting to the, the the sense of um mm-hmm. I guess we'll come on to that in a second but the, the the sense to which um, our relationship is intentional or yeah. whether we're kind of allowing it to happen yes. is it something that we make happening or is it happening to us or is it something is it actually yeah. just somewhere in between to, and we talk a lot about this in terms of non-monogamy I suppose um, because yeah. when you think about non-monogamous relationships there's a kind of philosophy there for a lot of people which is like relationships should be able to find the place they find Mm. and part of the reason for being openly non-monogamous is that you're not trying to constrain yourself or a partner Mm -hmm. to only being able to feel certain things or do certain things with one person Mm. it's like there's quite a nice freedom philosophy of people should be able each relationship should be able to find its level whether or not it's erotic or romantic or what it is Mm. but then on the flip side of that in those circles i think there's been a kind of critique then of like you know, people can be a bit kind of, well, I should follow, be able to follow any relationship anywhere, mm. you know, because it's all about the relationship finance level. Well, actually, you know, if you've got like five, you know, really serious people in your life all, already, you just don't have time and space for another one, yeah. you know, arguably three, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, how many, how many people can you actually offer yeah. a certain level of intensity or commitment to? Um, so that's where intention comes in. And it's sort of a balance between the kind of, flow and allowing yeah. on the one hand and the kind of intention and pragmatics on the other because it's kind of unethical just to go with just falling you know and allowing yeah. without thinking at all consciously or intentionally about it but maybe all intention and all consciousness mm-hmm. can leave us with some very static kind of rules like like the rules of monogamy of yeah. kind of just don't do anything with anyone else ever yeah. and maybe those don't you know fit our actual lives very well so we need to you know we need to find that balance uh, yeah there probably does need to be a bit of balance there and I think that happens not just I think this happens for monogamous folk where they also have very other important relationships going yeah, on so for exactly. example if someone's got a kid yeah. then um, if someone's got a kid and they are dating other people, mm-hmm. then that very important relationship is going to have an impact to which yeah. this person can, you know, this person can't just uh, throw everything away and go and live in Cancun. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it, they have to get a bit intentional. Exactly. Like, and that might be about saying, okay, the only people I'm going to date are people who are going to be open to me having a kid and being involved in that kid's life. Yeah. You know, so the intentional may come in and kind of like narrowing the pool that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Or it might be that you fall for various people and the intentional comes in after that of yeah. like, okay, would this work? Okay, no, it wouldn't or only in this way. Yeah. But it's like, you're, yeah, you've got the both and approach of intentional and um, allowing. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, so the, that doesn't mean necessarily that you don't get that initial excitement of mm. the initial, I'm going to call it chemistry even though it's biology, but you know, the... Um, <laughs> Well, it could be maths and physics as well. I like the idea of it being maths. I'm yeah. sure it is. Everything geography. is maths when it, and geography. Yeah. yeah. History. Well, it's all all. It's all related, isn't yeah. it? Everything's history. Um, it's almost like you know, dividing things into disciplines is a kind of false way of 
dealing yeah. with the world. It's like it's like a well. It's an entire GCSE curriculum. Yes. Uh, at <laughs> yeah. English literature, <laughs> arts, design and tech, media studies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so you can Mm. still, you can, there can be this kind of intentionality, the sense of Mm -hmm. um, that this relationship can occupy this space at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that you're either narrowing what it is that you can offer or you're looking for a particular kind of person. But you can, there can still be lots of chemistry within, Mm. within that. And the thing is, is that a lot of people are quite resistant to that because they think it's not, they think that by, by, that by being intentional, it means you can't have any of the chemistry. I think that's it. We fall into these binaries again. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's this sense that one side of the binary is better. So maybe like the kind of mainstream culture, the normative thing is like, no, you must always allow love. You must always like let yourself fall yeah. unless you're in a committed relationship in which you shouldn't at all, yeah. you know? And it's kind of like, but you, the, the danger is people go the flip side. It's like they discover the idea of intentional relationships and, you know, maybe I've fallen foul of this myself. And like, it's like, okay, that's better. Mm. And yeah. actually, you know, that's, I've been kind of caught up on that of like actually having one of these kind of love experiences and thinking, no, I really want to leap this time. I really want to let myself feel this and yeah. just kind of allow it and see how it unfolds. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to be too conscious and too intentional about it is actually keeping me back from something that's just an awesome experience. Yeah, and yeah, why yeah. not let yourself just go with that? Yeah. Same with the fast and slow model. It's like, yeah. you know, we, we maybe can come onto this as being quite critical of a very fast approach to love. But, you know, it's not necessarily about flipping the binary. So only slow love is only is the only good kind. Yeah. Sometimes we might want to speed up and slow down. It's more about, yeah, being conscious of, of that whole binary and when we Definitely. want to do the one and when we want to do the other. So fast love here doesn't refer to the amazing George Michael sign. And we need to talk more about George Michael. We on do. The podcast, yes, we do. Pray for us, St. George. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, it's about we're talking about um, that uh, you meet someone, you feel hella chemistry, yeah. and then you just you, you get engaged within three weeks. Kind Absolutely, of you haul love. They call in kind of lesbian circles. What do they say? You haul. It's like the idea that you know the, the second date is that you get the the moving in van. <laughs> <laughs> It's a stereotype about lesbians, but you know it does does hold for some, some <laughs> woman woman relationships. I, like that. I think that would work religions. for a, a lot of people I know in that, in that, <laughs> in that yeah. kind of, of experience, that kind of love. Yeah. So there's that, which yeah. is again, it's like it's the it's the escalator, and it's also society saying that this is the one that counts. This yeah. is real love. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might break up within eighteen months, but then mm. the slower thing is the one that society says you know isn't so cool. But that slow burn thing for some people is what mm. makes it work. Um, I guess here we could talk about the difference between, you know, what if we were to treat romantic relationships like friendships from friendships like yes. romantic relationships. Yeah. Then we never really allow for like very fast love in friendships. Like it's kind of, well, we rarely allow for, or society says we don't, we're not mm. meant to have like fall friend- in love with a mate in that way. Yeah. But, it, but again, I think people have different preferences on fast, slow there. And it's really useful to actually talk about those rhythms. So yeah, a couple of times recently, somebody has said, has jokingly said to me, oh, that, oh you're my best friend now, because we've had quite an intense yeah. kind of good conversation over coffee. And I've been, had to say to them, like, actually with friendships, my preference is, yeah, definitely do big big talk, not small talk. Yeah. But, you know, we've had one coffee and one big talk. The next one might be in six months. I want time to really gradually get to know somebody and build trust with somebody. And I often use the example of the two of us, you know, that actually it was, yeah, coffee, then six months later we were at an event together, 
another four months later we might maybe we had another coffee and a bite yeah. to eat then we started talking about projects we might do together but again quite a slow burn on yeah yeah um yeah i mean obviously i was uh, you know there was unrequited love from me going on and i was deliberately engineering events you know is that so, right no <laughs> you never turned up at my house with the signs you know <laughs> no i've never done that no. <laughs> maybe i should do that no, no i'm no, never going to do not, that, that um so, but there is that but yeah. if we look at what society says it's like mm. fast love is when it's romance yeah slow love is when it's, it's friendship, friendships yeah. or other kinds of relationships and actually that binary is is really unhelpful yeah because it depends on what it is that we want and what it is we might be ready for right. so if we are so it might be like therapeutically quite a good idea if we've just had a very mm -hmm. difficult breakup with somebody mm -hmm. and there is somebody new on the horizon that, that might be quite good sometimes for that to be like slow love yes um but then many people's experience that, uh, you know, a love after a breakup, it might benefit them to have something very fast that is like to get them very quickly into a different headspace. Yeah. Or somewhere in between that where actually there is an ebb and flow of sometimes it's fast and then sometimes it slows down. Exactly. And some, some people might have a, a kind of preference, you know, like I do with friendship, they might have a preference for all sorts of reasons. I suppose, you know, I, I think that for me comes with like some some caution around my boundaries and consent, yeah. knowing, knowing that I can find that difficult. Mm. especially when I think somebody wants something from me like an old pattern is to kind of try and give them the thing yeah. so I will slow it down deliberately to make sure that I can be consensual yeah. I would slow down friendships in that way I would slow down your decision about cohabiting with somebody mm. so that I can be much more sure that I'm in consent mm. um, whereas other things where I feel more comfortable about my consent I'm not going to need to slow down like I would be maybe I'd be sexual with somebody faster because yeah. that would feel like I'm not going to get that one wrong yeah so it's sort of, sort of like that let's talk about love as a feeling yeah. uh, here because the um, this this feeling of we can have this feeling of love mm -hmm. uh, and what's, what does Tina Turner have to say Tina Turner says what's love but a second hand emotion <laughs> who needs a heart when a heart can be broken I know it's a lot to unpack there, isn't it? <laughs> but she's saying love's a feeling. I yeah. think that's why we're quoting her there. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, what is a feeling? Mm. And, you know, we think feelings are probably just as biopsychosocial as, you know, what we're describing. Well, I think biopsychosocial is a great way to look at feelings yeah. altogether. It's like, a, it's kind of a good way to look at everything. Yeah. I think of gender and sex as biopsychosocial, yeah. mental health issues. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, feelings, it's like... Any, any feeling you want to take, there's going to have the biopsycho and social components and they're all going to feed into each other. So thinking about feelings, um, the way that they're biopsychosocial is that the social context that we're in might enable us to have feelings that we might not otherwise have. And again, yeah. like they've looked at cultural diversity on this. Um, so some cultures have like words for feelings that other cultures don't have. And that seems to enable more people in that culture to have that experience. So like there's this Southern European country, I think, where they have a word for being embarrassed on behalf of others. Mm -hmm. um, and that means that when something like that happens, well, we can kind of get that idea um, we probably have a bit of that feeling but it's much more commonplace uh, and recognized in that culture and there's this kind of feedback loop I guess that if you have like a script for something or words for something then you're more likely to have those experiences um, as you have the experience it gets written on your body and brain to kind of respond in a certain way which means it's even more likely for you to have those experiences which is going to have you know it's, then it's going to be in your media and your literature in that particular culture so again it's going to set you up 
to have more of those Definitely. experiences and it just keeps kind of echoing back up and down the bio psycho and social in that way yeah so they'll have mm. a, a relationship to, to each other and you can't examine one without you without can't even tease the them apart yeah. which is yeah. why the whole nature nurture thing is a really silly way of looking at things yeah. like is something down to nature or is it down to nurture it's always inevitably both of those things yeah. and the wider societal way of seeing things as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Did we talk about Tea and Turner yet? Um, so we were, I was looking into like how have people in pop songs answered this question? Yeah. Um, and Tina Turner was um, asking, "What's love?" I'm now forgetting the name of the song. What's? Uh, I think it's "What's Love," isn't it? No. Oh. It's. What's what's love got to do with it? What's yeah, what's love got to do with it? Right, that's it. Right. So I was looking at people who've asked, "What is love?" Yeah. But Tina Turner's song is similar. It's what what's love got to do with it? And she yeah. says, "What's love but a secondhand emotion?" Yeah. Which suggests that she's saying that love is a feeling. Yeah. Um, and so we've kind of unpacked that kind of idea of yeah. is it a feeling? Yeah. I mean, it's partially a feeling, um, but it's also I think we'll talk about more in the next episode about how it's also something we maybe do um, an action Um, but I also like the top song that comes up is this song Hadaway's song Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember when this is from but it's like what's love baby don't hurt me don't hurt me no more that one I'm I'm aware of it now right and so Hadaway I think is saying that love is when people don't hurt each other Mm. I think that's that's kind of the gist so saying what it isn't yeah yeah and he, and he says, I don't know why you're not fair. I give you my love, but you don't care. Right. Um, so it's kind of like love needs reciprocating. Mm-hmm. And love is also when you don't hurt people. And I'm really intrigued because this was kind of Sartre and de Beauvoir's understanding of love, right. I feel. Like if okay. you read their, their writing. Um, that And Sartre is pretty negative about this and said, like, hell is other people. Basically, yeah. loving other people is to hurt them and be hurt by them. Right. And then de Beauvoir's like, oh, maybe there's another another way. Maybe we can, like, have more mutual kind of love. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's all about, like, do we treat the people we love as objects, in which case maybe it's mm. not really love. Yeah. Um, or can we, like, get, be- as Hadaway suggests, get beyond hurting people and actually find something that we might wow. think of as love. That's deep. Howard Jones, on the other hand, mm-hmm. back in the 80s. Yeah. I, I have no idea what this song is. Or who Howard <laughs> Jones is. What is love anyway? Does anybody love anybody anyway? Huh. That's Howard Jones. Right. That one. I'm still yeah. not familiar with it. No, it's it a wasn't very the, beautiful rendition. <laughs> it wasn't the best singing. <laughs> anyway, what's, what's he saying? Um, I love you whether or not you love me. I love you even if you think I don't. <gasps> yeah, it's a little bit creepy, Howard. Yeah. A little bit creepy. So, um, <laughs> but he goes on a journey throughout the song, doesn't he? Gets to a better place by the end, doesn't yeah. he? He's like, maybe love is letting people be just what they want to be. Yeah. And kind of leaving the door unlocked. So. It's kind of like about unrequited love, this, isn't it? It's yeah. like loving someone, it's loving at someone rather than loving with well, someone. Well, that's why we would question it, I think. Yeah. Again, if you're loving at someone, you're back in this quite objectifying, mm. you know, often you're putting somebody on a pedestal thinking they're things they're not, like yeah. projecting a bunch of stuff on somebody. Yeah. But by the end, it's kind of more like an unconditional love. It's mm. more like he's saying, you know, you, you can love regardless of whether you get love back, which I kind of like. You know, yeah. it's kind of like... Um, love shouldn't be contingent on someone loving you back. Um, it, you know, it should be something that you can do, kind of. Yeah, but the, I think that the, the there is the, the the stuff about consent here and intentionality mm. is that is that feeling of um, that it's that it's not necessarily this kind of 
transactional kind of thing of I'll love you if you love me back. Yeah. It's like making a space where love can happen. Yeah. Like opening, it? like you say, and leaving the door unlocked. Yeah. But, you know, you, you're kind of, you've got the love there, you've opened the space, but it's up to them whether they walk through it and it shouldn't be about you ever pressuring somebody to feel things yeah. for you just because you feel things for them. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's sort of this mutualness. I think we'll, we'll talk next, next time when we're talking about saying I love you um, about like people like bell hooks and how they've written about love yeah. as this kind of mutual even thing and that you know i guess that again that's where the intentional bit comes in because mm. if we're just going on this feeling and this falling it can lead to these really creepy non-consensual kinds of love yeah. which are about just because i have this feeling i have to tell you it yeah. even though it might really upset you or i have to act on it even though mm. that might be non-consensual yeah. whereas the sense of intentionality a big part of that is you know is this consensual? Like, how are we going? How could we act on this in a consensual manner? Mm. Um, how can we be mindful of everybody involved and the impact that it might have on them? Yeah. Like you say, if there's wider family or other partners involved as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. So, is that it for this one? Do we think? That's love sewn up. <laughs> <laughs> done. Although it turns done, out Howard Jones already. Uh, Howard Jones got yeah. that. Yeah. Already. Well, on the journey of his song, he eventually got to somewhere like maybe quite, somewhere. It's a pretty short-looking song from the <laughs> yeah. lyrics, but it's it's quite the journey. Um, and so, uh, thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed, uh, if you want to think about relationships and intentional relationships, you might really love Alzine. In fact, we know you would love Alzine. Make Your Own Relationship User Guide, which yep. is available now to download at our website for £2.50. Um, a quick shout out to loveuncommon.com as well, mm -hmm. who, uh, who really unpack this idea of slow love. So yeah. if you're interested in thinking a bit more about slow intentional love, there's mm -hmm. um, some nice blog posts over on loveuncommon.com about that. Yep. Um, cool. Yes, we will catch you next time for I Love You. We'll catch you next time. Yeah. We, we will. We love you, dear listener. We do love you. We love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye then. Bye. Bye.